0: We will win this race on August 14th.
1: Let's go. I'm
0: ready. Are you ready?
2: A weekend of big decisions and drama on opposite ends of the state, all setting the stage for what should be a busy and contentious midterm election season here in the state of Minnesota. Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Delegates from both the DFL and GOP parties endorsed candidates for key statewide races this fall, including the U.S. Senate and Governor. Let's start up in Duluth where Jeff Johnson won the Republican endorsement for governor relatively easily. It's the next step that will be more difficult.
3: So you've spoken and it looks like Jeff Johnson, it's Jeff Johnson's time. Congratulations to Jeff Johnson. Come on, let's go. Give it up for Jeff. Come on.
2: Mary Giuliani Stevens graciously bowed out of the endorsement battle when it became clear Jeff Johnson would be the first to get to 60%. Johnson took about one minute to celebrate, then told the delegates the toughest battle is yet to come.
0: So now it is time to defend this endorsement, and that starts tomorrow. And, you know, we have a primary in front of us. We all know that. And we could whine and cry about it, but instead I would rather just go win it. So that is the plan, and I need your help.
2: Johnson was the favorite coming into the convention and clearly the best organized. But now he will face a well-funded primary opponent in Tim Pawlenty, who has nearly 100% name recognition.
0: I hate asking for money at this point, but on the way out, if you can throw in a $20 bill or write a check for 50 or 100 or whatever you can, again, we are going to get outspent by Pawlenty in the primary, but as long as I have enough to get a simple message out to Minnesota Republicans, we will win this race on August 14th.
2: A Democratic political group already seems to think Pawlenty will win the primary. They set up a hockey goal outside the GOP convention with a cardboard cutout of Pawlenty and Pawlenty budget holes to shoot at even though Pawlenty was never here. Johnson told me Pawlenty's previous record as governor will make it tough for him to win a general election.
0: And I think it's hard to talk about the future when you have a candidate who everybody's going to be asking about the past. And if this election is about Tim's past rather than the future of Minnesota, I just don't think we can win.
2: Now, Jeff Johnson and the other candidates are now hitting the road to spread that message. Meanwhile, Tim Palenny and his running mate, current Lieutenant Governor Michelle Fishbach, will be hitting the campaign trail very hard tomorrow. In introducing her as his running mate earlier this week, Palenny called Fishbach one of the most respected policy leaders in the state.
0: Even though people may not always agree with uh, her views or my views, they universally respect and appreciate uh, her as a leader.
3: In this campaign, Tim and I are going to focus on putting hard-working, middle-income Minnesotans first.
2: They are the people that make Minnesota a great place to live. And they have campaign stops planned Monday in Moorhead, Duluth, Rochester, Mankato, and back here in St. Paul. On the DFL side, it took seven rounds of ballots and a lot of drama before State Representative Aaron Murphy wrapped up the endorsement for governor after a three-way battle. Brett Hoffland has the story from the DFL convention in Rochester.
1: All three candidates arrived at the Mayo Civic Center this weekend, hopeful to get this DFL endorsement for governor. But after the first ballot, it was clear this was a two person race between Congressman Tim Walls and State Rep Aaron Murphy. The spirit of progressive Minnesota is alive and well. I am ready to win.
3: I am ready to fight. the lead. Are you ready?
1: Current state auditor Rebecca Otto took her name out of the running for an endorsement after just two ballots.
2: So this
3: was not the result we were hoping for. We want to thank all of our supporters. We're going to take the weekend to think about this. Thank you so much.
1: Then, in a surprise move, several delegates started voting for no endorsement, getting encouragement to do so from both Wall's and Otto's campaigns. Murphy's campaign responded by saying, quote, we must reject cynical politics.
3: I understand, and I've been through plenty of conventions, that sometimes there are efforts to try and slow that down or thwart that. I'm really, really glad that the will of the delegates today prevailed.
4: Conventions, you see all sorts of... Gambits and tactics and tricks, and you know, nothing surprises me at this point, to be honest with you. I don't hold it against anyone, I don't begrudge anyone and the strategy that they have to take to try to get to the point where they're at. Of course, I wanted to see us have an endorsement.
1: Walls conceded the endorsement, but still plans to compete in the primary, giving St. Paul's Aaron Murphy the win for the weekend.
3: Every campaign should be about our future, and we should offer people an honest vision for what we stand for and give people a reason to vote for us. And we succeeded today.
1: Erin Murphy went into this weekend without a running mate. She declined a hint at who that person may be, but said she'll announce it after discussing it with her team. In Rochester, Brett Hoffland, 5 Eyewitness News.
2: Delegates at both conventions also endorsed candidates for two U.S. Senate races. DFLers endorsed incumbents Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith Friday night. Smith is making her first official run for public office. She was appointed to her seat to fill out Al Franken's term. Klobuchar is vying for her third term as a U.S. Senator.
0: Instead of fighting about what's left and what's right, what we really ought to be talking about is the difference between what's right and what's wrong. That's what I was taught. Growing up in Minnesota. I
3: know it's not easy for people to be heard in a place like Washington, where all too often the voices of regular people get drowned out by money and special interests.
2: But do not underestimate me. Smith will face a primary challenge in August from former White House ethics lawyer Richard Painter. GOP delegates endorsed State Senator Karen Housley to run in the special election against Tina Smith. They also endorsed State Representative Jim Newberger to challenge Amy Klobuchar.
1: The 12-year reign of ultra-liberal Amy Klobuchar must come to an end. A lot of people have been asking me why would I run for the United States Senate. Well, the ag- answer is actually pretty simple. Real Minnesotans need representation too not just the metro area liberal
2: elites. This will be the first time since 1978 that both of Minnesota's U.S. Senate seats and the governor's office will be on the same ballot. Now, here's maybe the biggest surprise out of either convention this weekend. Minnesota Attorney General Lori Swanson lost the DFL endorsement for a fourth fourth term to challenger Matt Pelican. Her spokesman says Swanson will consider all options That could include a primary against Pelican, or there's even talk of a last-minute run for governor. Now, DFLers also endorsed Steve Simon to run for a second term as Secretary of State. They'll endorse a state auditor candidate later today. Republicans endorsed Pam Myra for state auditor, Doug Wardlow for attorney general, and John Howe for secretary of state. Be sure to stay with 5 Eyewitness News and KSDP.com for continuing coverage throughout this crucial election season. We'll have more coming up later in political analysis. Now, at the state capitol this week, the governor signed an $825 million bonding bill into law despite what he calls serious concerns. In the end, the governor says Minnesota communities need the projects and the jobs that it will provide. The River Center parking ramp across from XL Energy Center closed two weeks ago. Safety inspections were ordered after a big chunk of concrete Fell from a ceiling. The city wanted $58 million to help pay half the cost of replacing the structure, but only received $5 million for demolition. A city spokeswoman says the future of the ramp is still unclear. Up the street, the state capitol building will get $10 million for security upgrades, from emergency call boxes to cameras and other safety enhancements over here in Minneapolis there's a million dollars in the bonding bill for the initial design and engineering for rehabilitation of the stone arch bridge there has been talk of closing this bridge for safety reasons the governor had proposed 13 million dollars so it's unclear whether one million will be enough to keep it open also in Minneapolis right next to the stone arch bridge There's $15 million for the city of Minneapolis to start design work on a park that would replace the now-closed St. Anthony Falls lock and dam. The federal government closed this facility a couple of years ago. As for the University of Minnesota, they got the single biggest item on their wish list, $24 million to rehab and renovate the historic Pillsbury Hall on the East Bank campus. But overall, the U of M got less than a third of what they were asking for. The bonding bill also includes $32 million for three new veterans' homes across the state, $15 million for a new Fort Snelling Visitor Center, and a separate package of highway and bridge projects totaling more than $400 million. Governor Dayton did line-item veto one project in the bonding bill. It was a $1 million grant to set up a board to oversee scientific work done by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. We have a complete list of the projects that were signed into law in the bonding bill at KSTP.com. The last bill Governor Dayton signed into law this week will stabilize pensions for more than a half million workers and retirees in Minnesota. The state will inject $141 million into the system from 2019 to 2021. In return, current public employees will contribute more to the system and retirees will get smaller cost-of-living adjustments. Supporters say this will protect pension benefits for Minnesotans who are either retired or still paying into the system, but critics argue public pension plans like this will continue to struggle even with direct taxpayer subsidies.
4: I can't tell you how many retirees and active employees have spoken with me in the last few days and told me how vitally important this is.
1: It's a bailout because we have tens of millions of dollars coming out of the general fund now propping up uh, these funds, you know, especially the teachers fund.
2: Despite that criticism, Democrats and Republicans hope this bill will be a long term fix for state pension plans. We saw a lot of bills signed into law, along with many bills vetoed during the legislative session. But up next, a Minnesota civics lesson of sorts. See how a bill doesn't become a law, despite wide bipartisan support. Most of us have seen the famous Schoolhouse Rock video from the 1970s that explains how a bill becomes a law. But I know I'll be
0: a law someday, I hope and pray that I will But
2: today I am still just a bill Bill, Still a very catchy tune The video shows how a bill can become a law But today we're going to show you how a bill doesn't become a law
4: The House will come to order Introduction of bills Introduction of first reading of House Files 1067 through 1188
2: House File 1180, a bill requiring hands-free only cell phone use while driving, was first introduced in 2017, the first year of a two-year legislative session.
4: This is a bill whose time has come. The bill didn't pick up steam until 2018. I can't think of a bill that has had this degree of bipartisan support.
3: David lost his life to distract a driver.
2: A rally was held in the Capitol Rotunda February 22nd, Featuring families of distracted driving victims.
4: In plain language, what this bill does is it says just put the phone down and drive.
2: On March 13th, the State Patrol and victims' families testified in favor in the House Public Safety Committee. It passed on a unanimous voice vote. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed?
1: Thank
3: you.
2: The fact of the matter is we have Democrats and Republicans working together very constructively. The bipartisan co-authors were very optimistic, noting they had nearly 50 co-authors from both parties. It also had support in the Senate.
1: It's to make sure that you're not dedicating a hand to talking to, uh, talking on the phone.
2: Where it passed another committee on a unanimous voice vote March 27th. All those in favor set. Aye. Opposed? Motion
4: we need your voice.
2: Meanwhile, insurance industry lobbyists roamed the Capitol hallways seeking safe. lawmaker support for the bill.
4: It's an economic issue. It's a traffic safety. It's a human cost issue. It's, people are dying. come to order.
2: The lobbying efforts appeared to pay off when the House Ways and Means Committee took up the, the bill May 10th.
0: But This is my last memory of my dad, lying under a blanket
4: in a ditch next to a field that he farmed his entire life.
2: More testimony from victims' families and law enforcement.
4: Where else do you get this many people at 8 o'clock in the morning for a hearing, huh? Good people. Good people that have been wronged.
2: Only one testifier spoke against the bill.
4: The act of talking on a phone while driving is no more a lethal distraction than eating or playing with the radio.
2: The bill passed nearly unanimously to to head to the house floor.
1: All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? No. The motion prevails. House file 1180, as amended, is referred
2: to the general register.
3: It takes less than 30 seconds to kill someone.
2: That's how long it took to kill my brother when someone was distracted. Immediately after the ways and means vote, victims kept the pressure on. Supporters heard rumblings the Senate might not take a vote. So they headed to the Senate chambers, seeking out Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, who wanted to go a different direction.
4: One of the directions is that we have more education. There's only one page of 800. Another direction Senator,
2: is- that is a cop-out. Despite intense lobbying, overwhelming votes in support, and no organized opposition, just five days after that key Ways and Means Committee vote, House leadership told the author this bill would not become a law.
4: I think we failed Minnesotans uh, to act uh, on hands-free. Were you given a reason? Not a very good one. Um, I think it's strictly political. Right from the beginning, uh, I thought this bill would be one of those so-called no-brainers.
2: Instead, it became a head-scratcher. It appears a small but influential number of lawmakers blocked the bill. UNCONVINCED TAKING AWAY ONE MORE FREEDOM WOULD REDUCE DISTRACTED DRIVING ACCIDENTS.
3: HOUSE FILE 1180 uh, IS OUR DISTRACTED DRIVING BILL, OUR HANDS-FREE BILL.
2: A BILL CO-AUTHOR MADE A LONG-SHOT ATTEMPT TO DECLARE AN URGENCY AND FORCE A FLOOR VOTE.
3: THIS IS URGENT BECAUSE uh, THERE ARE 70 MINNESOTANS A YEAR that are killed
1: on our highways because of distracted driving.
2: With House leadership no clamping down, the, the vote the failed. Motion.
1: There being 53 ayes and 74 nays, the motion does not prevail and this is, the rules are not suspended.
2: <laughs> Victims' families blamed House Speaker Kurt Dought for not allowing a floor vote. What he has done is repulsive and bad government and has people lose faith in government, which is sad because I teach high school civics. Now, the day after the session ended, Speaker Doubt addressed why the hands-free bill didn't get a vote on the House floor.
1: It was a controversial issue in the legislature, as uh, very often those are. I think that issue is growing in grassroots support and I think uh, will eventually happen. Um, This year, uh, it seemed very divided uh, amongst legislators.
2: Although, as you saw, there were very few votes against it and little public opposition. Doubt did note that lawmakers passed a provision to more than double the penalty for drivers who are caught texting or using the Internet on their phones behind the wheel. That was included in the supplemental budget bill. However, Governor Dayton vetoed that bill. We've got a lot of politics to talk about coming up next with Mike Erlinson and Annette Meeks. We'll be back in two minutes. And welcome back. Time for political analysis with two delegates from both of the conventions. Annette Meeks was up at the Republican convention in Duluth. Mike Erlinson was at the DFL convention down in Rochester. Again, you were both delegates. You both saw firsthand what happened. Mike, let's first talk about Erin Murphy. Uh, She went in as a kind of a late favorite. Early on, it was thought to be Tim Walls, but then uh, she pulled it out.
4: No, I mean, Erin did a really good job of working the delegates. She crisscrossed the state of Minnesota just how she'll have to do it as a candidate or the endorsed candidate in the primary. Uh, And, you know, and she really, I think, tugged at the heartstrings of the delegates, right? You know, and delegates tend to be maybe a little bit more to the left on the Democratic side or a little bit more to the right on the Republican side. But, uh, you know, she had a good, positive message and came out on top.
2: Let's listen to what she had to say after she got the endorsement.
0: I set out
3: 18 months ago. Uh, with my aim on earning this endorsement because it's a powerful tool uh, in order to win an election and it means when we seek and earn the DFL endorsement that we're actually talking to the people of Minnesota
2: and if you want to see unbridled political enthusiasm <laughs> this would be it she <laughs> did a little a little dance uh, after winning the endorsement clearly uh, A BIG RELIEF TO HER TO HAVE FINALLY WON THIS. SO A LOT OF EXCITEMENT DOWN THERE IN ROCHESTER. NOW UP IN DULUTH, uh, NOT AS MUCH DRAMA. JEFF JOHNSON WENT IN AS THE FAVORITE AND HE CAME OUT WITH THE ENDORSEMENT. Uh, YOU WERE NOT SURPRISED, I IMAGINE.
3: NOT SURPRISED AT ALL. HE'S BEEN AT THIS FOR FIVE YEARS AND and HE'S DEDICATED A LOT OF TIME AND EFFORT TO THIS. AND THAT IS PROBABLY ONE OF THE PROCESS QUESTIONS THAT I WOULD ASK. HOW MUCH IS THIS REALLY WORTH IN 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 2018 to get the party endorsement Uh, they haven't fared too well in recent years and i fear they might not this year Uh, in our side and i believe the same might be true with uh uh, legislator murphy they don't have a lot of money uh, to get through to the primary
2: now i talked to jeff johnson after he got the endorsement he knows he's got to make the case to republican voters for the primary because he's got a tough battle against tim polenny let's listen to what he had to say
0: I just need to get a pretty simple message out to Republicans, both that I'm a stronger candidate because I can talk about the future and don't have baggage, but also because I think this is about the the very future of our party. Who controls our party going forward? Are we still a party of the grassroots? Are we a party of the political class? That's a pretty fundamental question for Republicans.
2: And Mike, Tim does have eight years of baggage as governor, uh, some very difficult budget times. Democrats are going to try to exploit that if he becomes the general election candidate.
4: Well, uh, there's no question that's true. They will try to exploit that, but I think, as you just heard, uh, the Republican endorsed candidate, Jeff Johnson, is going to do that same thing, too. So, right, right up until the Republican primary, you're going to have Jeff Johnson attacking Tim Pelente. And then the Democrats, uh, depending on who wins that, will take over at that point in time. So, I think Jeff is going to help the Democrats do that. Um, you know, Aaron Murphy may spend a little bit of time attacking Tim Walsh as they've moved his campaign forward, but I think Aaron's proven that she really wants to be positive, not negative. And
2: I wouldn't be surprised if Murphy tries to exploit the gun issue and uh, Walz's A rating by the NRA. And, and
3: several other issues. I think what was interesting about what Jeff Johnson said is he's, he's still campaigning for Republicans, and at this point, we should have an earlier primary. It shouldn't go on till August. We should be talking to the general election now, and we should be talking to all Minnesotans about what's best for them.
2: Just about 20 seconds left. We have two Senate races also lining up. Amy Klobuchar seems to be a heavy favorite. Uh, but real quickly, handicap each race. You've got about 10 seconds.
4: Well, I think Amy Klobuchar will be reelected. I don't think that will surprise anybody. Um, you know, Tina Smith and Karen Halsey, that's going to be a tough-fought competition, uh, though I do think Tina will come out on top.
3: I think it's going to be a really, really interesting year with a lot of outside money from Washington, especially pouring into the state, especially in the two U.S. Senate races and in our four congressional races.
2: And before we get to those uh, general election Senate races, we've got huge primaries in the governor's races. It's going to be a fascinating summer here in the state of Minnesota. If you like to follow politics, as always you know, fun. we do. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty Mike, to talk about. Mike and Annette, thanks for being here. Up next, we break down the big boost the Super Bowl brought to the state of Minnesota. The numbers are in, and Super Bowl 52 organizers say it provided a $400 million boost to the Twin Cities economy. The final tally by Rockport Analytics came in $50 million over the firm's pre-Super Bowl projections. The number also exceeds the financial impact in Houston when it hosted the Super Bowl last year. Governor Dayton says Minnesotans should be proud.
4: Anytime we're put up to the test, uh, we shine. And I don't remember seeing anybody in Houston doing a snowmobile Upside down.
2: (laughs) The spotlight will be back on Minnesota next spring. U.S. Bank Stadium will host the NCAA men's basketball Final Four in April. Rockport predicts the tournament will bring in a $124 million economic impact to the region. And that is all the time we have for now. Keep it here on 5 Eyewitness News later. Erin Murphy is expected to announce her running mate for lieutenant governor coming up here later this morning. We'll have that tonight. Meanwhile, we'll see you back here again next week.